And I was like, okay, I'm not going to buy BTS merch. But then I saw RJ, who is this handsome, adorable alpaca. He is so (laughs) cute. I love him so much. And I was like, I absolutely need one of those. And he arrived in the mail. The thing is that Kelsey is definitely the most obsessed with BTS of the Mm -hmm. three of us. Yeah. And I'm like in the middle. Like, I I think I'm very, I'm obsessed with Jungkook. And I... (laughs) listen to their i've been listening to their music a lot lately and i really like it yeah i love watching the videos with her i think they're hilarious people um but i'm still like in the middle of the obsession range and then you i feel like know the least about them as a group musically like you watch the videos and you agree with us that they're good but you own the most bts merch because of rj i have i have the stuffed rj and today in the mail i got an rj baseball hat (laughs) i just like he's so cute Let's get it started. Let's get it started. (laughs) That was really good. I loved that. Um, welcome back to You Know What I've Been Wondering, the Late Show edition. <laughs> I'm Sarah. I'm Jane. And this is Saturday Night Live. <laughs> it's like 9.47. It, yeah, not it's late, not late. It's not that late. We've never recorded this late, so we're like, we're being, wow. We're being dramatic. We've been recording at this time, but we haven't started at this time before. I don't oh, think. you're right. I don't even know what to expect with your segment, so... <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. I'm How? excited to tell you about it. It was more fun than I thought it would be. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good. I am seeing um, both parts of Harry Potter and the Cursed Child on Broadway tomorrow, so I'm very excited about that. Oh my gosh, that'll be amazing. Are you going to get some Hufflepuff stuff, maybe? Probably. I feel I'm going to wear my sweatshirt tomorrow that says Team Hufflepuff on it. I feel like everyone's going to see me wearing that and go, like, that's like not official merch or something like they're gonna... no i don't think they'll treat i'm sure there would be lots but of people in no i'm gonna merch. wake up tomorrow and try and do a cute like hufflepuffy makeup look that's cute uh, which will be fun i'm excited about and we're putting our costumes together for halloween you mean kelsey are gonna be the three fairies from sleeping beauty yeah i was just trying on my costume it looks so good on you oh thank you but we're gonna I'm... be cute versions we're not gonna be the like dowdy middle-aged ladies that they actually are no i love i we're still be... respect them as the dowdy oh no no I, I love them they have similar energy to the ladies from nine to five which we know mm-hmm. is a favorite we love them. of mine <gasps> we should do that next year yeah next year violet how are you sir I'm great. I'm really excited for Halloween. It's my favorite holiday. Mm -hmm. I think at school, I'm going to be a Pokemon trainer because I've got, I need to give Charmander some use. He just sits on that (laughs) shelf. I'm going to put Charmander in a backpack and walk around with him at school so he can get some fresh air. I love that. Yeah, I think it'll be entertaining. I have to get a sleeveless hoodie. By the time this comes out, it's the day before Halloween. I'm sure I'll have it. <laughs> I need to think of something that the kids will like to dress up as. Ooh, maybe a pack of gummies. Like, I could get... <laughs> <laughs> You could get a bunch of gummies and stick them to your shirt. Very entertaining. I'll have to think of it. Something that my kids are obsessed with. Yeah. Other than also Pokemon. Yeah. My kids, they don't get to wear Halloween costumes to school, but they have a fall fest the Friday before. So that's how, that's yeah. how we're doing. Yeah. So, Jane, mm-hmm. do you want to tell me about some curses? Some curses, sure. Very appropriate for seeing Harry Potter tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Well, the first curse word is... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> we go is over the curse. A word. And it, <laughs> and it comes from... <laughs> and it is a bad word because... No, no, no. These are, these are curses that may or not be real, but, you know, judge it for yourselves. I composited a list based on some articles online. Um, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine curses to tell you about. Ooh. Mm-hmm. You could have done the Hamilton song. I'm sure there are more, but these are just ones that I thought were cool. Okay. The first one I gasped at because it was the first one I saw, and it's such a throwback Ooh. for our podcast. Oh, Because do you remember when I covered Tattoos? When I talked about Oatsy, the Iceman. 
Ooh, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, like, body that they found in the, um, the Oatstall Alps in the mm-hmm. Austrian-Italian border. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he's found preserved. to be 5,300 years old. Yeah. And he was, um, like, preserved, right, in the ice? Well, he wasn't even... In ice, he was just... It was just so cold there that, like, somehow his body was preserved. But... And we talked about him in the tattoo episode because he had markings all over his mm-hmm. bodies, his body that is considered to be like one of the oldest examples of tattoos ex- in existence. Uh, in existence, yeah. yeah. So yeah, we don't have many. So we know him. We know Ozzy. <laughs> when we talked about him, I didn't know that he has a curse. <gasps> he has a curse. curse. Yes. So there was just a string of really mysterious deaths surrounding the discovery of Ozzy. Oh. Um, so Rainer Hen, a forensic pathologist who examined Otzi, died in a car accident a year later after he examined Otzi. And then that sort of set into motion a string of events that are kind of creepy. And then Kurt Fritz, who was the guide who led Rainer Head to Otzi's body, died in an avalanche very shortly thereafter. Oh. Mm-hmm. And then... That was a yawn, but it was very interesting. <laughs> and then this guy, Helmet Simon, and yes, his first name was Helmet, <laughs> not spelled the way we think, but H-E-L-M-U-T. I'm sure... Maybe it's Helmut. Helmut, maybe. I'm sure that's a name in another culture that I'm just being insensitive to, but um, yeah, sure, giggle. Um, My son, Helmet. <laughs> his name is Helmet. Um, he was the first to discover Kurt Fritz's body. And he died... After the avalanche. After the avalanche. Okay. And then he died in 2004 while hiking. Oh, so that's this, weird. this, like, string of deaths of these men who were all connected... To Otzi. ...through each other to Otzi. And then another man, Dieter Warnecke, he headed the rescue team to look for Helmut Simon's body. And he died of a heart attack just hours after Helmut Simon's funeral. Oh, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, don't like that. So that's all of the weird deaths, but it was like the scientist who studied him, he died. And then the guide who led him to Otzi, he died. And then the person who found that body, he died. And then the person who went looking for him, he died. Like four guys. That's really, that's really weird. It's weird. But looking at all of the statistics of it, hundreds of people have worked on Otzi and examined him and studied him and mm-hmm. so like statistically it makes sense that some people are gonna die but i just think it's creepy that those men that, are all that, like that seems like a very specific string of events yeah it does like it seems orchestrated yeah so that's what we got on Otzi. um <laughs> let's not go see Otzi. let's not <laughs> this next curse is the curse of king tut Ooh, love this one okay mm-hmm, let's mm-hmm. do it so king tut or king tutankhamun who's the egyptian pharaoh his tomb was guarded by a stone that said death shall come on swift wings to him who disturbs the peace of the king mm. uh, but <laughs> people didn't listen to that and <laughs> egyptologist howard carter and this man's name is just listed as Lord Carnarvon, so I don't, I, I should look up what his full name is, but they opened the tomb in 1922. Oh my god. Totally ignoring the stone with the warning on it. And Lord Carnarvon died four months later while in Egypt from an infected mosquito bite. Oh. It was known, though, that he was already sort of an unhealthy guy, so it's not shocking that he passed away, but that was just like the first creepy Still one. weird. But, oh, here's the thing that... I was so mad. Okay, this sentence is going to make you mad. A few hours later, back in England, Carnarvon's beloved dog, Susie, let out a yelp and died. Susie did not deserve that. She didn't do anything wrong. That makes me really sad. Rest in peace to Susie. I know, poor Susie. Poor I love that we're talking about, like, many humans that have died, and we're like, well, that's creepy. And then Susie dies, and we're like, stop. (laughs) Justice Justice for Susie. So the financier of the excavation was a man named George J. Gould, the first, and he uh-huh. yeah, and he died of a fever six months after visiting the tomb. Mm-mm. Wolf Joel, a South African millionaire, visited the tomb, and he was then murdered a few months later. He was murdered. He was murdered. <gasps> A. C. Mace, who was a member of 
Carter's archaeological team was killed by arsenic poisoning. Oh, oh. Mm-hmm. See, these are all like abnormal deaths. Like, if they're like, and then they died in their bed. Yeah. Like, that'd be one thing. But these are very yeah. abnormal. And Carter's personal secretary was found smothered in his bed in 1929. Okay, once again, like, <laughs> it's not just like, oh, they died naturally, like how many other people died. Like, they all got murdered. Yeah. Again, similar to Otzi, um, people have pointed out that dozens of people have entered King Tut's tomb, and the majority of them have lived long, healthy lives. But, I don't, I don't know. I feel like we should... I don't know. I, like, I have a great... Be... I have a great respect for curses. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I got made fun of when I was in London, because I went to Shakespeare's grave, and he's the curse on his tomb, mm-hmm. and I didn't know that it's long and mm-hmm. in iambic pentameter, and I was like, he took the time to write in an iambic pentameter? And they were like, yeah. And I was like, I hate this guy. And they are like, don't say that. You're going to get cursed. <laughs> Some people speculate that there is toxic mold or bacteria in the tomb that when you, like, when they excavated it, it got, like, released. And that was causing some people's deaths. But so many of them were just murdered. Yeah, that was, that's just, like, straight up murder to me. And had, like, specific causes of death, like, infected mosquito bite, like, yeah. That doesn't sound like mold to me. Those are I think they can tell the difference between mold and malaria. <laughs> like I mean it was nineteen twenty two, so medical science was <laughs> well, not where it is today. Yeah, but... True. But still I think they can tell the difference between a gunshot and mold. <laughs> <laughs> I would hope. So this next one is the curse of Tamerlane, otherwise known as Tim Timmer? T I M U R. Um so Tamerlane was a nobleman and warlord who controlled a large area of Asia during the 14th century. And he was known as a great military tactician whose warfare killed some 17 million people. <gasps> yeah, he was not a, not, not a nice guy. Yeah, no, not a good bro. No, he was... Uh, uh, but, okay, so this curse is really creepy because... Okay, I'm just going to read it, and it, I think it's really creepy. Okay, so in 1941... Joseph Stalin sent a team of archaeological of archaeologists to open Tamerlane's tomb in Samarkand, Uzbekistan, uh, despite the warnings of local residents and the Muslim clergy. They were all like, "Don't go in there." <laughs> and Stalin was like, "No, we're going to do it." Oh my god! Um, but when they opened the coffin of Tamerlane, they discovered an encryption on the inside that said. Whoever opens my tomb shall unleash an invader more terrible than I. And then, within a matter of hours, Adolf Hitler's troops invaded Russia. (gasps) Yeah, and 26 million people died as a result. And then, in 1942, Stalin ordered Tamerlane's remains to be reinterred in Samarkand and to be reburied in accordance with Islamic tradition. And very shortly thereafter, the German army surrendered in Stalingrad and ended their campaign against the Russians. That's creepy. Mm-hmm. That reminds me of, like, Rasputin kind of cursed Tsar mm. um, Nicholas II because he was like, should, remember when he was like, should peasants kill me? Like, yeah. your family will flourish in leadership for many years, but should I be killed by nobles? Mm-hmm. You will see the end of your reign and they, within two years. And it was within two years. Yeah. That's what that reminds me of. Yeah. So oh. that's what we got on Tamerlane. Scary guy. Or Timmer. Some people call him Timmer. I think that's maybe more often. The name sounds familiar. I'm wondering. I didn't see him referred to as Tamerlane the Great anywhere, but that sounds more. Mm. That sounds familiar in my mind. Yeah, I feel like I probably learned about him in history class a yeah, long maybe. time ago. and I just. I mean, it sounds like he was an important military figure. Yeah. In the 14th century in Asia. Okay, so this next curse is the curse of the Hope Diamond. Mm-hmm. Which I immediately got freaked out by because I've seen the Hope Diamond. Oh, where it, is that? It's in the National History Museum, the Natural History Museum in um, DC. I don't think I saw it super up close, but I've been to the Natural History Museum remember, and I've seen it from at least afar. I remember recently I went to a museum and there was a cursed object there and I don't remember what it was. So. The Hope Diamond is a 115-carat blue diamond that French merchant Jean-Baptiste Tavernier stole from the eye of a Hindu idol in India. And Oh, that's cute. Yeah. <laughs> and legend has it that Tavernier was later mauled to death by dogs as a punishment. <gasps> uh, this is not true. In reality, uh, he stole the gem 
and he sold it to King Louis XIV of France, mm. and he got super rich from that and retired a, a wealthy man and didn't really have any problems. But the diamond itself, like, people consider it to be cursed. Wait, I do know this story. Continue. I do know this one. Okay, okay. The curse seemed to be a myth until mm-hmm. it was inherited by King Louis XVI. Yes, and okay, his wife, I know this one. Marie Antoinette. This is exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, of. yes. Okay. And they yeah, were yeah, beheaded, yeah. as we know, mm-hmm. during the French Revolution. After that, Lord Francis Hope of England inherited the diamond, which is sort of presumably why it's called the Hope, Hope diamond. diamond. Yeah. And he went on to marry an American showgirl. And the two were very wealthy, but the pair squandered their fortune. To make up for this, they sold the diamond, but even still were eventually reduced to poverty. So they lost everything. And this is horrible. This woman named Evelyn Walsh McLean bought the stone in 1912. And afterwards, her son was killed in a car accident. Her daughter committed suicide. And her husband left her for another woman. And then he eventually ended up in an insane asylum. Wow. So this poor woman. Yeah. I was like, I when I read that sentence, I was like, dang. That's, that's terrible. Awful. That is really, really terrible. Uh, so... The Smithsonian National Museum of Natural History bought the Hope Diamond in 1958, and nothing has gone wrong to the museum itself. Like, nothing cursed has really happened to them. Mm -hmm. However, the postman who delivered the diamond, he was hit by a truck. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, He survived, but his wife and dog died not long after, and his home caught fire. I just want to say, what? Did these poor dogs? I know do to these dogs this? do not deserve these curses. They it's so really infuriating. Don't. They're like my owner did something wrong, so I have to be punished. It's not fair. Truly, but also his poor wife, rest in peace, and his home that burned down. Well, I don't know if it burned down, but it had a fire. He had bad luck. But I, I've seen the Hope Diamond in the museum, and I haven't had. I think I wonder if maybe it's because the Natural History Museum, like they treat the object with respect, and they, it's kept in a case. It's kept in a case, and there's probably information about where it comes from and its origins, mm-hmm. and the fact that it like came from a Hindu idol in India. It's not just like rich men having it to brag yeah. about their riches. It's like given some sort of respect. Yeah. That it's not people aren't being punished for having it. But the postman didn't do anything. He was just delivering a package for his job. Yeah. If you go on the it has a Wikipedia page and it has a list of all the people who have yeah. died after like touching it or yeah. being near it or having contact with it. This next one I have kind of mixed feelings about. I think the origins of it are the origins of what people think of it are kind of racist. Mm-hmm. I think if the curse is real, it has a different explanation than what they're saying. So this is the curse of Tippecanoe. President William Henry Harrison led the troops defeat that defeated the Shawnee people in the Battle of Tippecanoe. Mm-hmm. And the their leader was a man named Tecumseh. Or Tecumseh? Oh, yeah, yeah, Tecumseh. yeah. Tecumseh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Forgive me for butchering that name. I vaguely, I remember yeah. this from history. Yeah. Um, and President Harrison went on to be elected president in 1840. Mm-hmm. And ever since then, every president elected to office in 20-year intervals has died. Mm-hmm. And people believe that Tecumseh, in revenge for his people being killed by Harrison, um, cursed the presidency. Or cursed him and his presidency. I feel like it's more like just because Harrison did a bad thing he's cursed i don't want to like put this like villainized title on yeah this native american leader like i feel like that's kind of like shady in my opinion yeah that is weird i remember learning a lot like i had to know who that was for ap u.s history Mm -hmm. i had to learn a lot about him so i feel like if that curse is real it's not because that one guy was like evil it's just because You know, yeah, we slaughtered Native Americans. So. Yeah, the diamond I was thinking of was not the Hope Diamond. There is a there is a gemstone that's very similar, and it's called that's what I was looking up. It's called the Delhi Sapphire, mm. um, and it inspired one of my favorite the story behind one of my favorite books, The Light We Cannot See, which has a like very uh. important diamond at the center of it during World War Two. Um, and the Delhi Sapphire, I remember, I learned about this when I was in London because it's at the British Museum. That's what I was thinking of. And it's this gemstone, or it was at the British Museum. And it's this, there's this myth that it was kept locked away at the, um, 
British Museum because everyone who owned it had died, including monarchs and tradesmen or whatever. And it was like the curse didn't end until it was thrown back into the sea. Oh, like in Titanic. Yes, like in Titanic. <laughs> I'm so to sorry. be given back. To I know the you sea. hate that movie. So that's what I was trying to think of. Um, but that's another, mm. like cursed gem. It's yeah. very famous. This next one is my, I think my favorite, um, of these curses. This is the curse of the goat and the Chicago Cubs. Uh, oh, <laughs> which is a funny combo. Yeah. Um, so in 1945, a man named Billy. Billy Goat Cyanus was kicked out from a Chicago Cubs baseball game because he brought his pet goat with him. (laughs) (laughs) His goat's a Cubs fan. What can we say? (laughs) And Cyanus um, was really mad that he was being kicked out. So he reportedly cursed the Cubs by yelling, "Um, the Cubs ain't going to win no more. And apparently that's all it takes to curse somebody. Wow. Um, Curses. They're easier than we think. No. The Cubs went on to lose that game, and then they didn't win a World Series for the rest of the century. And I thought they were just bad. I didn't know that they were cursed. <laughs> they were cursed. And um, here's the kicker. Um, <laughs> oh, boy. In April of 2013, uh, this sort of became like a folk legend, like because of mm-hmm. this, like that the Cubs are cursed and <laughs> like goats was like a superstitious thing (laughs) associated with the cubs the cubs Um, like don't you ever mention goats in my presence ever again (laughs) um but in april of 2013 cook county illinois police uh, found a decapitated goat tied to a tree near oh my gosh i know it's that's the, gross. the goat didn't deserve any. The dog, the animals involved in all these yeah, curses. Didn't so many innocent animals. Things. I know. Just being and hurt. <laughs> a few days later, a box was delivered to Tom Ricketts, who's the owner of the Cubs, and inside the box was a decaying goat's head. Ew. Yeah, it's gross. But I think that broke the curse <laughs> because the cub that was in 2013, and the Cubs went on to win the World Series in 2016. Oh, so. That's all it took. So, you know, you gotta keep goats in the stadium, you know? I guess so. This next one is not, like, one case of a curse, but it's, like, kind of a practice of cursing, if that makes any sense. Ooh, yeah. Um, So, in Australia, there is uh, this practice among Aboriginal Australians, uh, which is known as bone pointing. And it's basically... This ritual in which a kurdecha, which it means executioner, points a bone or a similarly creepy object um, at their victim. And the victim is said to then become listless, ill, typically refusing to drink water until they succumb to illness and death. Yikes. Yeah. And people believe in this type of curse super fervently, like... It's kind of more widespread than any other thing you might hear about that's yeah. kind of like this. But it's so prevalent in Australia that nurses in Australia are actually trained to deal with patients who believed who believe they've been the victim of a bone pointing. That's you're looking so... at me like that's crazy, and yeah, it is. Um, that's super interesting. Yeah, medical professionals believe that it's really a psychosomatic thing right that like a bone pointing happened to me so now i just have to die and people just literally give up on life people will literally just resign themselves to their fate of death and they their cause of death will be self-inflicted starvation or dehydration oh my god like they'll just be like some like a bone pointing happened to me so i i literally can't live anymore so i, I refuse food water i refuse everything and then they'll die i mean that makes sense and so in Australia, like, that's considered a real curse because people just believe in it so much. Yeah. It's like, it's almost like a self-inflicted curse yeah. at that point. Yeah. Like you're cursing yourself by resigning to the fact that like, I'm going to die. Yeah. This next curse is more of a superstition um, in Russia. In uh, Russia. Sorry. <laughs> I had to. Many Russians believe that the month of August Oh. Is just a cursed month. Interesting. <laughs> Since nineteen ninety one, there have been numerous tragic events in Russia that have all taken place in August, um, such as the Battle of Stalingrad, the siege in Leningrad, and the opening of the Eastern Front in World War One. So those obviously were all before nineteen ninety one, but yeah. um, I think there have been n- numerous terrorism events 
in Russia in August since 1991. Yeah. And the most likely explanation for this is just that the way the weather is in Russia, the most beautiful month that's easiest for travel and tourism is August. Yeah. So the population goes up a lot in August. Right. Um, which makes uh, crime and terrorism just a more likely thing to happen. So that's the most likely explanation. Um, (laughs) Some people blame the alignment of the planets and stars. They think astrologically August is just spooky and cursed. Yeah. But that's a superstition that exists in Russia. And this is my final curse that I'm going to tell you about. And I think it's kind of cool. I'm ready. So this is the Tichborn Dole curse. Um, Tichborn sounds familiar. So I don't know why. The Tich, Tichborn is I think I'm thinking of Tichuba. Yeah. Well, Tichborn, T-I-C-H-B-O-R-N-E, mm-hmm. is the name of an old English family. Um, the Tichborn family is this a rich family in England that's very old. And this matriarch of the family named Lady Mabella Tichborn laid a curse on her family that they had to donate a large dole of food to the poor every year. Which, good for her. Yeah, good for her. Um, and if the food was not donated, the Tichborn family would have a generation of seven sons, and then seven daughters, and then the family name would die out. In 1796, the family stopped the dole, reportedly due to claims that the poor people and the vagabonds were, quote-unquote, abusing the privilege. So, <laughs> by 1803, part of the family home had collapsed, and one branch of the family indeed produced seven brothers. And one of those brothers, Sir Henry Tichborn, had seven daughters. Oh. Mm-hmm. And so... Something about the number seven is creepy to me. Yeah. So they got super freaked out and restarted the dole because they didn't want their family to die out. Yeah. Um, several of the brothers, though, did die. But one of them that remained alive, Alfred Tichborn managed to carry on the family name and they believe it's because he they restarted the dole they managed to avoid the family yeah. name dying out because this one guy yeah so he so the guy had family. seven brothers yeah he was one of seven brothers and, and then he had seven daughters he but didn't. none his of the other did oh his brother had seven yeah. daughters gotcha. and then th- and then several of his other brothers died before they was, got married gotcha yeah and then Alfred Tichborn went on to have sons so his family name could continue. Right. But, like, the curse was that you'll have a generation of seven sons, and then one of those seven sons will have seven daughters. Gotcha. And then that'll be the end of the family name. Can you imagine if they all had seven daughters? <laughs> 49 girls. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's terrifying. But what? That, but it, it is super creepy that, like, seven years after yeah. it happens their family homes like starts to collapse and then and then seven brothers are born and one of those seven brothers has seven daughters yeah it's like let's start giving the poor people food again (laughs) you would think that like you would think that when the brother like he would just be like okay great so we're just not gonna have seven kids like he has (laughs) he has power over that i mean birth control wasn't that effective back then but right but like (laughs) <laughs> the beginning of the 18th century. Right. Or no, 19th century. Yeah. I always get confused. 19th century is the 1800s. Okay, so I'm right. I mean, I guess that wouldn't have been very fair to his wife if he was just like, okay, we have six kids and now you and I need to stop sleeping with each other. <laughs> Did you, I always think about poor Queen Victoria who didn't want children and hated the idea of being pregnant and was super scared of being pregnant and then went on to have like nine kids. I know, that poor woman. I worried about that being me. Despite (laughs) wanting the contrary. I know, that poor woman. Whatever, climate change is is real and and population's a problem. I'm going to adopt. So let's all think about our own reproduction. Yeah, I'm going to (laughs) adopt. I can't can't deal with this. (laughs) Those were creepy. Aren't they? But I liked them. I think curses are really interesting. Yeah. The Tichborn one, I think I found super interesting just because it was, like, it came true. Yeah. And and I also love that they're, like, that Lady Mabella was just, like, all right, kids, you're all spoiled and rich. You're going to have to give some food to the poor or else bad things are going to happen. Yeah. I think that's a a noble curse. Yeah. 
No, curses is one thing that I like. I don't. I don't want to mess with. Like when they found that friggin' sarcophagus, and then when people were like, "Okay, we've all seen Indiana Jones. We've all seen the Mummy. Do not open that." Yeah. And then they opened it, and there was black liquid inside, and people were like, "I want to drink the black liquid," and everyone was like, "No, no, 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 no." <laughs> when did that happen? February of two thousand eighteen. Jeez, people wanted to drink it. Why? The black liquid. Oh my god, I have to look this up because it was truly nuts. They were like, it'll bring you, they were like, maybe it'll bring us special powers. And I was like, it'll it kill you. It won't. It'll kill you. Oh, there was a red liquid in a, in the dark sarcophagus, which is like even worse in my Ew. opinion. Um, people want to drink the dark sarcophagus liquid. This is from Esquire. Could scientists figure out what it was just from like studying it? Um, oh, it was found. Oh, do you know the theory about this, about what was it, who was in the sarcophagus? Who? They think it was Alexander the Great. <gasps> Because the archaeologists found the sarcophagus in Egypt, um, just outside the city of Alexandria. Um, it matches up with where Alexander the Great is believed to have died and been buried. Um, it had, like, lovely decorations. The bones were determined to be from a date similar to that. It was very evident that the tomb's inhabitant were soldiers. Um Super interesting. Oh, and they also know that the one there was a woman buried in it, and they know that she had a brain surgery. Like they could tell that, and she <gasps> survived it. We still don't know what the red liquid is. Um, I assume not blood, because blood would have dried up, right? Yeah, blood would have dried up. Plus, if it was in Egypt, they embalm people, so they take out all their blood. Hmm. <laughs> the guy who opened it said, I was the first to put my whole head inside the sarcophagus and I stand here before you. I am fine. Because <laughs> everyone was like, do not open that. <laughs> Which, like, I don't think I would either. Mm. Um, like, I, ju- I don't know. I feel super weird about messing with people's resting places. Like, you don't know if they wanted to be laid there forever. Like- <laughs> oh, people started a change.org petition to drink the red coffin juice um, in the form of some sort of carbonated energy drink so we can assume its powers and finally die. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, it's I just, just like, it, like- oh, they've determined that it's sewage water that leaked into the sarcophagus. Oh, okay. Yeah, don't drink that. <laughs> don't, don't drink that. I just feel like when we find like ancient things that have been buried... Like, what's the statue of limitations of, like, well, we have to unbury it so we can study it. But, like, people. Well, they didn't know it was there. Yeah, I know. But, like, when people. Like, I feel like with the cases of, like, the Egyptians and just, just people who have been buried a very, very long time ago that we find, we tend to dig them up and study them. But it's, like, if someone died more recently, we would never, like, dig someone up to study them like they specifically requested to be buried a certain way or it was their culture to be buried a certain way and not to be dug up and yet like we've decided that research is more important than that and i understand why like i understand like yeah the need and the desire to gain knowledge as humans but i think it's just like kind of yeah, I mean, like, they they were at that site digging for something. So mm-hmm. they knew that they were going to find something. I don't mm-hmm. think they knew that they were going to find... Because I don't think people stumbled upon the tomb. I think it was already... Yeah. It was at an archaeological site where stuff was already being yeah. excavated. So it really has to do with uncovering lost pieces of history because mm-hmm. so much of history was lost, particularly pre-Middle Ages. Yeah. Like, I have a feeling... At least I would hope in 200, 300 years, we're going to see a huge sweep of archaeological sites in America looking for indigenous people's artifacts. Yeah, that'd be good. Which, you know, on the one hand, is it our business? No. On On the other hand, it's like, that's a huge piece of history that we've lost. And unfortunately, right now, we still don't really care about. But I hope in the future, we would care about it. So I think that's part of it. They found Richard the Third in like a, I know in a parking lot, like a parking lot, which like he deserved it. <laughs> Richard the Third's gonna curse me. <laughs> There's a lot of curses in Shakespeare. Yeah, it, Richard the Third though, like I feel like I think about him in a way that's been very affected by the Shakespeare production. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm. Sh- <laughs> The series The White Princess, mm-hmm. I'm sure, is not, like, super historically accurate. Yeah. But, like, it, when I was doing a little bit of reading about the Tudors um, and, like, that area of 
history in terms of the British monarchy, I realized that a lot of my um, knowledge and like opinions about like Richard the Third and people that existed at that time are super really are based on how Shakespeare wrote them and Shakespeare was writing with a bias to fit Queen Elizabeth's bias. Absolutely. And so I feel like I've looked back at some recently and been like, oh, they were kind of different than I thought they were. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Oh, so I'm on Reddit. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> That's what's happening right now. Throw it out there. Okay, so this first question must have been posted on r slash no super questions by someone who was very high because it just is one of those questions that you know, really <laughs> seems like something someone high would say. How long is a second, and who decided that? Isn't uh, a second of 60 milliseconds? Yes, but, like, <laughs> so the the, te- the technical definition is literally, like, you take the length of the day, you divide that by 24, and that's an hour. You divide that by 60, and that's a minute. You divide that by 60, and that's a second. But, like, the person, like, the so that's the answer. Right. But the question, I think they were deciding, like, who decided that, like... It was 20... It's one, yeah. two, three, as opposed to one. Like, who decided the speed of yeah. a second? Yeah, <laughs> And the question is literally, like, it's you divide the time by hours and minutes. Like, it's all it is. But my favorite... <laughs> but still, who determined that, an hour, that a day is 24 hours? I mean, it's by the, the sun's rotation. Although, apparently... But does it move into 24 separate locations? Like, you know what I mean? I mean, well, yeah. Like, it goes around the Earth. Three did they decide that 24 hours was the, like... I guess maybe what they did was that they, like... Well, they but they still would have had to have a concept of an hour. Well, I think it's that they they literally were just like, okay, from now until... Like, okay, the sun is in the center of the sky right now. Mm-hmm. We'll do. I'm just gonna say we'll put on a timer. But yeah, we'll set a timer. Exist. But they, that like, still means like, that they we'll would set. Have... We'll put out a sundial. Right? right. We'll put out a sundial. But that still means that they needed a concept of an hour to know that 24 hours had. Oh, you know what? I, I bet think it it's was. literally just like you make a sundial, then you put 12 notches 12 markings on. around, and it went around it, it twice. Yeah. But still, who decided 12? You know, it it's fits like into a circle nicely. I don't know. It's such a like 360 it, degrees, I guess, is, yeah. divi- is it divisible by 12. Yeah. Maybe, oh, maybe what it was was that they were like, it moved 30 degrees 24 times. Mm. Or it moved, no, that's not what it is. It, no. moved, they would, it would move 15 degrees 24 times. Yeah. And that's how they it got must be that. Although apparently, apparently the days are slowly getting longer. Because we're moving away from the sun. Maybe, but like we like should, we a, are according like, to climate change yeah. experts, and because we are in an interglacial yeah. period, like, by, by like um, by the teeniest, teeniest amount. So like technically, the length of a second could change. My favorite though answer to this question was someone just counted, was someone just said one Mississippi, that's the length of a second. <laughs> <laughs> no, I understand um, their question. It's like this; these all just seem like really arbitrary numbers, you know. Yeah. And I feel like you could, like, ask people, like, okay, count to 30 in your head, go. And people will, like, answer it vastly. It will be, like, okay, 30, like, at different times yeah. because people count in different speeds in their head. Yeah, absolutely. I play hide and seek with children. <laughs> we <laughs> all... you think seven, <laughs> Exactly. Or some of them, it's, like, one. Oh, I, two. without a doubt, pre-K kids, anytime they're, like, count to 100, if you go one, two, skip a few, nine, and I 100, they will, like, die laughing. It, uh, without a reason. I've never said that and not gotten laughs. <laughs> yeah, I know. I understand the question, though. It's like, this just seems so arbitrary. It does. Like, how come, who decided that an hour is an hour and not that an hour is what we consider two hours? Okay. So that was, well, I actually have two things. Oh. This one is from r slash explain like I'm five. And. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It was, how do eyebrows know when to stop growing? <laughs> they don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, they actually do. Oh, tell my eyebrows yeah. that. <laughs> well, apparently um, your body hair does this as well. Mm-hmm. Like your body hair and your eyebrow hair and pretty much all hair except for the hair on top of your head, like, n- will eventually stop. Although I think maybe beard facial hair might be different. Yeah, like I think men's beard hair. But the length that your hair can grow is determined by the size of the follicle 
that oh. it grows from. And your follicles in your scalp just like are the longest. Interesting. And that's why they can grow much longer than the rest of your body hair. That's very interesting. So that's the answer to that one. I thought they were both interesting because when some like, I was like, I don't know. I also have bushy eyebrows that like cannot contain themselves, but I, I trim. <laughs> they can't be tamed. I trim them a lot, which I know yeah. you're not supposed to do. Every time I've ever gone to get my eyebrows waxed, they're like, do you trim your eyebrows with scissors? And I'm like, yes, I don't. Yeah. And they're like, you shouldn't do that. It makes it harder to wax. I'm like, yeah, but I, I don't want them to be bushy. <laughs> right. And like, also I can't afford to take them to get them waxed yeah. like once a week, which is what my eyebrows need. Yeah. So there we go. Okay, well, thank you. That was Reddit. That was okay, Sarah. Since this episode is coming out on Ween Eve, <laughs> the Eve of Halloween. I don't love that title. <laughs> we remember. Um, I, I I think it was our friend Sam said to our group chat like, "All right, guys, summer's over. Merry Christmas." <laughs> and then Sarah said, "Excuse me, you're forgetting about Ween and Thank." And I was like, oh, Halloween and Thanksgiving. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, this episode is coming out on Halloween Eve. So tell me about Halloween. Yeah. So I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Halloween has many names. It is alternatively known as All Hallows Eve, All Saints Day, Halloween with an apostrophe between the E's, mm-hmm. or All Halloween with one E apostrophe N. Mm-hmm. So Halloween originated with the Celtic festival of Samhain, which mm-hmm. you might know as Samhain, because that's what I thought it's, that's how I thought it was said, because <laughs> it's Sam, H-A-I-N, and I was like, cool, Samhain. I feel like I've heard the word Samhain, though, in, like, TV shows. I, I'm sure I did, and I just never connected it. It's pronounced Samhain, which means summer's end, and this festival marked the end of the summer harvest and the start of the dark winter. Mm-hmm. This time of year was often associated with death because lots of people would die in the winter, mm-hmm. um, as well as crops and other nature. The Celts believed that the night before the new year, the boundary between the living and the dead became blurred. So they celebrated Samhain in the night to mark the return of the dead to the earth. Mm-hmm. Um, and Samhain would happen on the 31st because the new year was November 1st. Celts also thought the presence of spirits made it easier for Celtic priests, known as druids, to protect mm. the future. Oh, to, to protect the future. That would be nice. To predict the future. Druids would build huge bonfires and make sacrifices, mostly animal sacrifices. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Celts wore costumes during the celebration, usually consisting of animal heads and skins. When the celebration was over, they would light their hearts from the fire of the bonfire to signify protection during the dark winter. Mm. Um, from protection from Samhain. Or not Samhain. Protection that was given to them by the Druids. And then the Roman Empire conquered the Celtic territory um, in about 43 AD. And during the 400-year period that the Romans conquered the Celts, um, Roman festivals were combined with the celebration of Samhain. The first festival that was combined was Feralia, which occurred late in October in Roman culture anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, On this day, the Romans commemorated the passing of the dead. And the second festival that was kind of integrated was... um, a festival that honored Pomona, who was the Roman goddess of fruit and trees. And it is from this festival that we probably get the tradition of bobbing for apples. Oh. Which I think is really cool. I haven't done that in a really long time. Me either. I've done it, like, maybe twice in my but life. I, like, now that I think about it as I've gotten older, it sounds kind of gross. Like, you... Stick like, your head in the tub and try to bite an apple. Yeah. Yeah. And your mouth's open. You're getting all your backwash in there. And yeah. Like, <laughs> someone else probably did... Like, like, 20 other people have done it right before you. Right. Yeah. Rubbing your face on there. If you're wearing Halloween makeup, forget it. Forget like, it. Yeah, it's over. You're right. You're right. There are lots of issues with it. <laughs> it's complicated stuff. <laughs> on May 13th, 609 AD, Pope Boniface IV dedicated the Pantheon in Rome to all Christian martyrs, and the Catholic Feast of All Martyrs Day was established by the Western Church, um, and it was celebrated on May 13th for many years until Pope Gregory III later included all saints as well as all martyrs and changed the observance day to November 1st. 
Mm. By the 9th century, Christianity had blended with and taken over older Celtic rites. In 1000 AD, the church made November 2nd All Souls Day to honor the dead. And many, histori many historians now believe that the move to first make All Martyrs Day and then All Souls Day was to specifically replace the Celtic festival of the dead with a holiday of Christian origin. Mm. Like, they respected what it was for, but they wanted to be able to say that it was a Christian holiday, not something they stole from the Celts. Did you ever dr dress up for All Saints Day at your church? No. Oh, I, I don't did. even remember my church observing All Saints Day. My church? Well, I don't have saints in in Presbyterianism. Oh. My my church did. But we it, it was like a day where like kids could dress up as like a saint if they wanted to. But I was super not creative about it and I went as Mary. I just got some blue fabric and I wore it around my head like I draped it around myself and I brought my baby doll to Yeah. Well it's like church. it's I don't think it's that we don't acknowledge that there are saints, but it's not the same as like the Catholic yeah. tradition. Like I I wouldn't be able like it's not like I don't I don't know who the saint of travel like there's all that. I don't we yeah. never had any of that. The celebration of All Souls Day was very similar to Samhain. People dressed in costumes as saints, angels, and devils. All Saints Day was also called All Hallows or All Hallowmas. And because of this, they started to call the day before All Hallows Eve or Halloween. Mm. So that's where it comes from. By the end of the 12th century, these had become holy days of obligation across Europe, which means that they had to go to mass that day. It was like considered mm -hmm. mandatory. In the 15th century, they started the custom of souling which is um the custom of baking and sharing soul cakes for um everyone who is christian christened you have to be yeah for everyone who is christened um mm -hmm. you had to be christian in order to participate in this tradition and some people believe this is the origin of trick-or-treating groups of poor people often children's would go door-to-door -door during all hallow tide which is like the celebration on all hallows eve mm -hmm. collecting soul cakes in exchange for praying for the dead especially the souls of the givers friends and relatives so like poor children would be like i'll pray mm -hmm. for your ancestors and they'd be like take a cake <laughs> that was what souling was uh, from at least the 16th century the festival in ireland and other celtic lands included mumming which is performing if you do you know about the mummers day parade no. The Mummer's Day Parade is a huge parade in Philadelphia. But the m mummer or mumming is the type of performing. That's what it's considered. Um, and guising, which means dressing up as a costume, as in mm -hmm. disguising. People went house to house in costume to recite verses or songs in exchange for food. By wearing disguises of dangerous beings, they believed they could protect themselves from them. So if you dressed up as the devil, it would ward away the devil mm. or an animal or whomever. Um, if the household gave food to the people who were mumming and guising, um, it could expect good fortune from Muck Ola, who was like considered a like a lucky figure. It wasn't a religious figure, but it was a like person that they were like, oh, Muck Ola will like give us good things in return. Um, yeah, I get it. And if they didn't do it, it would bring misfortune. In Scotland young people went house to house with masks or painted or blackened faces um and they would threaten to do mischief if they were not welcome so it was like the trick. opposite yeah that was the trick part from I at least i want to go to scotland so badly let's go let's go right now great hop on a plane hop on a plane from at least the 18th century imitating malignant spirits led to playing pranks in ireland and the scottish highlands and traditionally, the pranksters used, ho used hollowed-out turnips carved with faces as lanterns while playing these pranks. The lanterns were variously said to represent the spirits or were used to ward off evil spirits. So the lanterns were either used to be placed on a property to say, I will bring spirits here, or to say, I am protecting this house from spirits. And these later became known as jack-o'-lanterns. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. In colonial New England, the celebration of Halloween was almost universally prohibited because of the rigid Protestant communities there because it derived as a Catholic holiday. Um, but it was common in Maryland, which is a very, very Catholic area, and the South, which was mm -hmm. also very Catholic. As many different European communities, beliefs began to blend together um, in America with the indigenous peoples, a new version of Halloween developed. The early celebrations were called play parties, where neighbors would share stories of the dead, tell each other's fortunes, dance, and sing. So it became very community-focused, and it blended a lot of different cultures together in That's America. nice. Yeah, which is like a nice sentiment. 
Colonial Halloween festivities also feature the telling of ghost stories and mischief making of all kinds that really escalated in America, I will say. Even by the middle of the 19th century, the celebration of Halloween was not celebrated everywhere in the country. Um, however, the second half of the 19th century saw a great influx in the number of immigrants. And these new immigrants, particularly the Irish, helped people popularize the celebration of Halloween nationally because it had been celebrated for thousands of years in Ireland. Mm. Borrowing from European traditions, Americans began to dress up in costumes and go house to house asking for food or money, a practice that eventually became today's trick-or-treat tradition. Mm-hmm. Young women, this is really interesting, believed that Halloween they could divine the name or appearance of their future husband by doing tricks. So that was an early, very, very popular Halloween activity. Um, in the late 1800s, there was a move in America to make Halloween like a holiday that was about community and not about religion as mm-hmm. people of many religions began to live together. So that's when it started becoming a lot more about neighborly get-togethers and about ghosts and pranks and witchcraft and these, Mm -hmm. like, spooky things. At the turn of the century, Halloween parties for both children and adults became the most common way to celebrate um, instead of going to church. Parties focused on games, foods that were common in the season, and other festive costumes. So it was also, like, kind of a fall celebration. Mm -hmm. Parents were encouraged by newspapers and community leaders to take anything frightening or grotesque out of halloween celebrations mood i support this and because of that halloween lost a lot of its superstitious and religious overtones by the beginning of the 20th century Mm. they were like this isn't meant they're like we don't want this to be a scary holiday we want this to be a community driven holiday see that's the thing is i i don't know i like i like the spooky element of it but i i don't like being that scared like i like being like ooh, this is like creepy and like Mm-hmm. I like the child-friendly spookiness. I don't like the things that literally terrify you. I don't see how that. That's supposed good. to be about violence. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I understand that. By the 1920s and 1930s, Halloween had become a secular but community-centered holiday. This is specifically in America. This was not. This is did not happen anywhere else. Like specifically mm-hmm. in America. Um, due to the high numbers of young children during that were born during the baby boom in the 50s, it started to become more common that these Halloween parties would be held at home in, like, hometowns as opposed to community centers. So it became more focused on, like, the direct neighborhood around you. And so then it became a lot more of, like, an individual thing as opposed to, like, a whole town thing because towns got a lot bigger. Mm-hmm. Between 1920 and 1950, the centuries-old practice of trick-or-treating was also revived, so it kind of disappeared for a while. Um, But trick-or-treating was a relatively inexpensive way for an entire community to share the Halloween celebration, which is why so many people participated in it, because people of all incomes could. Mm -hmm. Um, Today, Americans spend an estimated $6 billion annually on Halloween. Jeez. Yeah making it the country's second largest commercial holiday after Christmas. One quarter of all of the candies sold annually in the U.S. is purchased for Halloween, (laughs) which I absolutely believe. Other Halloween-related superstitions date back to the Middle Ages, such as black cats. We avoid black cats because during the Middle Ages, people believed that witches would avoid detection by turning themselves into black cats. Mood. Yeah, big mood. The ancient Egyptians, speaking of sarcophaguses, sarcophagi? Hmm. That sounds right. That sounds right. Believed that triangles were sacred, and some people believe that this is why we don't walk under ladders. Mmm. Goes back to the... Which, like, makes sense. Pyramids. Triangles. Mm. There are many rituals um, that have disappeared that involve matchmaking on Halloween. Like I mentioned earlier, a lot of women in the late 19th century were like, it's Halloween, time to do some stuff to find a mate. In Scotland, oh, sorry, in in Ireland in the 18th century, a woman might bury a ring in her mashed potatoes on a Halloween night, hoping to bring true love to the diner who found it. And this is still a, like, common practice. And so now they put them in cakes, kind of like, did you ever hear the king cake? It's like a French tradition on Mardi Gras. I think so, but don't you find, like, a baby in your cake? Yeah, it's, a, it's so this instead would be, like, a ring. And whoever found um. it, like, you were like, oh, that's the person I'm supposed to marry. 
that's Aww. a Halloween tradition in Ireland and in Scotland. Fortune tellers recommend that it would recommend that an eligible young woman name a hazelnut for each of her suitors, like each of her suitors, like <laughs> like she <laughs> these women had so many, and here I am, like get with my bag of hazelnuts, like all right, get me one. Um, and they would toss the hazelnuts into the fire, and the nut that burned to ashes instead of popping or exploding or whatever, when, um, would represent the girl's future husband. Hmm. Um, young women also, I did this with orange peels, um, tossed apple peels over their shoulders, and the, the whatever shape the peels would make would reveal the initials of their future husband. Do you ever do that in school? Throw things over my shoulder? No, but it would be like, you would peel an orange, and whatever letter it looked like, that would be the initial of your like future spouse. Oh, I never did that. I did the one where you take, like, the stem of an apple mm-hmm. and you twist it. And as you twist it, you go A, B, C, D, Oh, e, yeah, that's one, and too. And you just, like, repeat the alphabet until the stem rips off. And whatever letter you were saying then, that mm-hmm. would be the letter of the name of your future. Yeah, ours was, like, whatever letter Partners, it is with orange peels. Spouse. At some Halloween parties, the first guest to find a burr on a chestnut hunt would be the first to marry. So it's similar to throwing the bouquet. Mm -hmm. This is completely different. But the first recorded haunted attraction was the Orton and Spooner Ghost House, which opened in 1915 in Lip Hook, England. So the first haunted Mm -hmm. house specifically made to be a haunted house was in England. Um, It was during the 1930s, about the same time the trick-or-treating became popular, that the Halloween-themed haunted houses first began to appear in America as attractions, not just like, there's a ghost here. Um, but the haunted house as an American cultural icon is mostly attributed to the opening of the haunted mansion in Disneyland on August 12th, 1969. <laughs> on All Hallows Eve, many Western Christian denominations encourage abstinence from meat, um, which is why so many Halloween foods are vegetarian. Oh. Because it's considered like a sacred holiday and on sacred holidays you don't eat meat in Catholicism yeah, at least. Yeah, I never thought about that. Yeah. Candy apples are a popular Halloween treat because Halloween occurs in the middle of the yearly apple harvest. So it was very easy for people to make things out of apples at the time, like way back when. Mm -hmm. Um, At one time, candy apples were commonly given to trick-or-treating children, but the practice rapidly waned in the wake of rumors that some were embedded with pins and razor blades. Yeah. Which, did you ever hear about that? I remember, like, being afraid of that. Yeah. So that was a thing. That's ter- absolutely terrifying. Um, and then this is just like how Halloween is celebrated in some other countries. In Poland, believers were Saints Day. Believers. Like, no. In Poland, Justin Bieber <laughs> fans. Were... Yeah, no. Believers, like people who believe that like the dead are like around, which is <laughs> a Christian idea. And mm-hmm. also and many, many cultures believe this. But in Poland, um, they were taught to pray out loud when they walk through the forest in order to comfort the souls of the dead that might be lost there. In Spain, Christian priests in tiny villages told their church bells in order to remind their congregants to remember the dead on All Hallows Eve. In Ireland and and amongst Irish immigrants in Canada, they have a custom that includes the practice of abstinence as well as being a meat-free day, and they serve pancakes. (laughs) It's their Halloween food. In Finland, because so many people visit the cemeteries um, of their loved ones on All Hallows Eve to light votive candles, um, that night is known as Vola Mary or Sea of Light. Protestant Christians also se- also celebrate All Hallows Eve as Reformation Day or a day to remember the Protestant Reformation because Martin Luther is said to have nailed his 95 diocese mm. to the All Saints Church, which was named after All Saints Day. Mm-hmm. Some Christians um, do feel concerned about the modern celebration of Halloween, specifically in America, because they feel it trivializes paganism, the occult, mm-hmm. or other practices and cultural phenomena deemed incompatible with their beliefs. However, Father Gabriel Amorth, who is an exorcist in Rome, which you yeah. don't really get more Catholic than that, um, said, if English and American children like to dress up as witches and devils in one night of the year, that is not a problem. If it is just a game, there's no harm in that. I remember being told when I was a kid, like, and I was reading Harry Potter, and my mom told me to, like, be chill about how much I liked Harry Potter, because she was worried that some religious people would, like, judge me and think I was, like, into witchcraft and that was anti-Christian, and I was like, who am I harming by liking these books? Like, can people just calm down? You're harming absolutely nobody. 
In Judaism, Halloween is not a permitted holiday um, because it violates Leviticus 18.3, which forbids Jews from partaking in Gentile customs. Nevertheless, many American Jews celebrate Halloween, but that's really just in America. Mm -hmm. In other countries, Jews will ignore All Saints Day, Hallow's Mm -hmm. Eve, whatever they call it there. Um, Sheik Idris Palmer, um, author of A Brief Illustrated Guide to Understanding Islam, um, has argued that Muslims should not participate in the holiday. And he said, participation in Halloween is worse than participation in Christmas, Easter. It is more sinful than congratulating the Christians for their prostration to the crucifix. The crucifix? Mm. But... Haved Maimon, a Muslim writer, has disagreed, and he said his daughter <laughs> dressing up like a telephone booth will not destroy her faith as a Muslim. <laughs> Which I love that he was like, my daughter was a telephone booth. <laughs> I think maybe... I love when kids are dr- dress up like random objects. I think maybe she was the TARDIS, because he said like a British telephone booth, and I was like, I think maybe she's mm-hmm. like... Maybe she is, like, the red telephone booth, and yeah. that's adorable because that is an iconic figure. But I also was like, but it sounds like she also could be the TARDIS. Yeah. Um, there is no consistent rule or view on Halloween amongst those who describe themselves as pagans or Wiccans. Um, some of them do not observe Halloween, um, and uh, but will choose to observe Samhain. Mm-hmm. And some enjoy Halloween festivities. Um saying like you can observe Samhain in addition to Halloween and that's mm-hmm. fine. Um, a lot of pagans and Wiccans still acknowledge Samhain in my witchy books that you're sitting next to. They talk about spells to do. <gasps> oh my gosh, we should do a spell. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Get prepared, everyone. <laughs> we're gonna curse at each other. No, we're oh my not. Gosh, I read online recently that burning sage actually like kills bacteria and might help you prevent getting sick and my mom was visiting recently and she had a really bad cold and i honestly considered getting some sage to burn around the apartment and if you walked in being like what i'm getting rid of germs like <laughs> <laughs> you should you have, i thought you said you had sage i do yeah so get so sage it out i'm just trying to downplay how <laughs> <laughs> how spooky we how are. spooky i really am <laughs> fair um but that is everything about halloween Oh, thank you. You're welcome. I enjoyed talking about Halloween. I love this holiday so much. It's so fun. All right. Thank you so much for listening. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at YKWIBW Podcast. You can check out our website, I've been wondering.com. If you like what you're hearing, you can donate to us on Patreon at patreon.com slash YKWIBW Podcast. And finally, if you have something that you've been wondering, you can email us at I've been wondering podcast at gmail.com. We would be happy to talk about your wonders on our show unfortunately um as this our next episode is coming out on halloween eve that means our following episode will be in november which i think can be a pretty month like it's still fall so it's kind I, of i fun. hate november it's my least favorite month of the year but it's like it's <laughs> just slowly getting colder yeah, and darker and and like like Thanksgiving is really the only like fun thing, but I feel like that's only no. Fun I for hate some Thanksgiving. People. Yeah, <laughs> like it's not my month. <laughs> November not, and I don't get along. But our, so, but this is a November themed thing. I've been wondering about. Ooh. Um, I want you to explain to me who started No Shave November. And oh my god! Who does it benefit and? Why do people do it? Like, I've, I've heard some people say it might be for charity, but I don't understand, like, yeah. how is it for charity? Do yeah. You, you just not shaving. How does that help anyone? Right. Um, and there's similar things that are, like, might be a little not safe for work. Like, no, I've also heard no nut November is a thing, and that's kind of gross. But you mentioned celibacy in October, and I was like, hmm. hmm. But so what what's the what's with the no blank no blank November, November trends? Yeah. And who do they help, and what is their purpose? you wrote in our note who do they benefit other than dumb men i will happily (laughs) tell you jane you know what i've been wondering what have you been wondering so november is thanksgiving time and we also just had columbus day which we hate holidays that celebrate what we did to the indigenous people Um, maine just this past year changed it and they just officially celebrated their first indigenous people's day oh that's awesome Mm -hmm. good for them so um I, I've been wondering, and we had a conversation with this last night, um, 
I've been, <laughs> I've been wondering about Roanoke. Because, oh, okay. And I, I bring this up for November because we know that the native Croatoan tribe was involved. But I think the, the Croatan tribe. Croatan? Is, I, lo- I googled it after because I was also... But yeah, but Croatoan, I think, just like means like of that tribe. Of that tribe. But it's the Croatan tribe. Yeah. Okay, cool. So see, you already know more than I do. <laughs> but I've just been wondering like some more about that. Mm-hmm. The, okay. Because I feel like a lot of... I, f- I feel like when I originally learned about it in high school, it was like, they disappeared. Now yeah. I'm older and I'm like, okay, but like, what do we really think happened? Yeah. Like what was this tribe's involvement if any like what realistically did happen you know yeah i never really even heard that 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 local tribe was even really involved other than like us getting in their way like yeah i i just thought that like people were like okay cool we'll go track we'll go check with the croatans and then we went there and people weren't there yeah that's all I thought happened, but I, so I'm. I will also gladly yeah. look at this because I want to know the details. Great, and I feel like it's good for November because November is a time where we're like Thanksgiving, the pilgrims, and we yeah. we're like not cool. <laughs> yeah, not cool people. Don't celebrate them. <laughs> I'm sure and if you're gonna celebrate people coming to a new land looking for a new start, we can maybe celebrate. I don't know all immigrants. Ooh. Uh, woo. Did you ever watch or read the book or watch the movie in school? I think it was called Molly's Pilgrim, maybe? No. I'm going to Google it to make sure that's the title. But it's basically about... Um, it was this book... I, I think it was a book first, and then they made it into a movie. Oh, no. It was just a short film. Um, but it... Oh, based on the children's book by Barbara Cohen. Um, it It's basically about a girl who... Her, it is the child of immigrants. Um, she's like a first generation um, mm-hmm. American born um, child of, I forget what country her parents are from, but she's given the assignment in class around Thanksgiving to make a, like a sculpture of a pilgrim, mm-hmm. like a doll, like a little doll or something. And she goes home and she tells her mom, like, mom, I have to make a pilgrim. And her mom's like, okay, what's a pilgrim? And she says, it's someone who came to America looking for a new start. Mm-hmm. And her mom, like, doesn't understand that they mean, like, white European pilgrims. Yeah. So she makes her a little doll that looks like someone who's come from the country her parents come from, which is some South American country. Um, mm-hmm. And then she brings it in, and the class is like, you did it wrong. That's not a pilgrim. And then she, like, gets up and explains what she thinks a pilgrim is. And everyone's like, oh, wait, we're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but, Yeah. <laughs> That's sweet. That's a sweet story. I watched that in elementary school and I was like, oh, that's nice. That is nice. I don't know that one. But I'll happily, we'll happily talk about the pilgrims <laughs> mm-hmm. and how problematic they are. Okay. Thank you so much for listening. This is, you know, what I've been wondering. <laughs>